can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work, determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to Hi-Ya, the only podcast that says if it ain't broke, you're not playing with it hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to episode 28, recorded sometime in January 2013. That's about right now. Yeah. That sounded like a callback to our last episode. What was that, 27? Yeah. Yeah, if I know my figuring and arithmetic right. Might not, but that's okay too. But that fella does, you know, he was playing with it with his girl in Malaysia, and all of a sudden it got broke. And he made a documentary out of Look, it. Look, if you can bend that thing at a right angle and make blood squirt out of it, you ain't playing. You're serious. <laughs> you're serious about oh, whatever it is Oh, I can break this. Doing. Don't you challenge. I can break this. Now, watch this. Yeah. So, uh, as you can tell, we finally got Craig to talk into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently from the levels you found that Yeah, I saw well. that red light just flashing away over there. Hi. <clears throat> oh. Well, right. folks, we're back once we again. Are. We got a great show coming up for you. We've got uh, our first interview on like three shows. That's so, right. So glad to have it. Running out of oh, material yeah. over here. Hey, we got it coming. This is, we, this is 2013, dude. We were supposed to go up with the Mayan apocalypse and all that shit. So yeah. I'm happy to be here, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. It's, uh, it's we good. got some great interviews coming, dude. You made that joke last show, too. You were just, uh, you don't remember it. I probably do not. I probably do not. <laughs> we're going to keep it on track tonight, folks. Yes, it's we staying are. on the rails. Staying um, on the rails. So we've got uh, Sifu Nelson Ferreira. Oh, yeah. From up in Wisconsin. And uh, we're going to get him on the show and have a little BSL explosion with uh, Uncle Craig. Yeah, Our intrepid co host, Craig Keesling. Howdy, folks. I'm Dave Jones. Yes, yep. you are. If you don't know this by now, then maybe you just tuned in. So there it is. There it is. Hey, um, Dave. I'm Craig. Yeah. A little bit of business to clear up here right on the front side. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we're also going to do that media mop-up we passed over last week yeah, because we were. Uh, we were losing that function of speaking <laughs> by the end of that one. Uh, we're we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to check in with New Legend to Shaolin in the media mop-up Ooh, at the end. Uh, hello, movie. Yeah, it, yeah. It. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, uh, where was I going with this? Craig? Probably. I started to say something, then I said something else. I do that to myself all I the know. time. But we probably uh, have something about a contest we might want to talk about. That's what it is. Okay, yeah. so quickly, folks, uh, the contest we announced last week to pick the slogan on the back of the T-shirt for this year. Um, we were going to put a poll up on the website, but it turns out my mouth was running way ahead of Craig's technical <laughs> skills. <laughs> yeah, we don't even have a login and registration system set right. up there for you. So, I, we, yeah, I, I know it's possible, and one day we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, until then, soon, for this contest, here's what you need to do, folks. Go to our Facebook page, like us. And put your vote on the post we put up. Forget that. It, ignore Dave. What he meant to say is love us. Okay? Really love us. Yeah. Click and that then, love button repeatedly. Exactly. Oh, and, oh, nice. Don't. And then go ahead and put your vote in. You know, yeah. all you got to do, yeah. there's one particular post that asks a question and lists out all the variables on what the, the best tagline is for this T-shirt. 
and just uh, type out the number corresponding to the answer. One, two, three, four, five, yep. man. And the competition will remain open for uh, for exactly one week after this show is posted. So you'll get seven days after this first hits your eardrums. Or, you know, at least after it first hits the <laughs> airwaves, the airwaves, the uh, podcastery airwaves. That's not even how it webbers. works, but, you know, we're not scientists over here. We're trying, <laughs> but we're not. It's the science of beauty that we're working right here. Yep. Damn, I'm handsome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, enough about us. We'll get into more of that later. That's about right. How pretty Craig is and mm-hmm. all that. Uh, boudin we just ate oh my the god we game. did mm, it was good falcons won was that was a stuff. nice game yeah. falcons nice game. win the food was good that's right that's the right. beer flowed um anyway we'll talk and about that later people but, got crazy yeah right now i think we need to run through the champagne lounge real fast right. and then we're gonna be back with nelson ferrera if we can catch him in there yeah that's right all right see you in a minute relationships with everybody on the northern shaolin stuff and uh i even uh got a chance to i, I can see you you don't have to <laughs> no his, his wife <laughs> I, I, I thought that was funny <laughs> that's cool uh, yeah hi. she says hi <laughs> but uh uh but yeah, yeah it's know, super cool man got, uh, uh sifu scott jensen from the Tem- yeah ten thousands yeah, we just kind of, you know, uh, met on that, too. So it's the first time I was able to even talk to him. I've been following his work, too. It's kind of neat to, you know, just be able to see people and, and you know. Yeah, share. I, I don't know how it is for you in, in your state. But, like, for me, I'm the only Northern Shaolin guy in Georgia, period. Sure, sure. And and so it's, it's very lonely at times, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's kind of nice when you're able to. Reach out and somebody knows what the hell you're talking about, you know? Just, just so you guys know, I'm already recording this. Oh, you're a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. No problem. I mean, that, that, that's the best way to do it. You know, maybe you should have just waited until an hour into it. And- uh, to let <laughs> right? you know, yeah. <laughs> but let's go ahead. Let's let's quickly, let's, let's get the listeners up to speed with what's going on over here. Um We've got uh, Nelson Ferreira on, uh, and I've had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Ferreira in person up there. He hosted a seminar, uh, a Lotus Shoe seminar, and me and Big Al piled into the plane, and uh, they had a whole section blocked off for Big Al, and uh, <laughs> he had to lay <laughs> on the floor in the back like Andre the Giant. But it was fun. No, well, I'm, you know, I'm just messing with Big Al. We saw him earlier today, and he says, yeah. hi, Nelson. <laughs> Great guy. We're over there for a football game party. Yeah. Good time. Yeah. So 
before we get to, you know, and I, I really, I want to let you two rip on the Northern Shaolin, really. And, uh, you know, I might throw in my juicy two bits here and there. But uh, before we get started, uh, let all the listeners know who you are, uh, you where do, you teach uh, up there in Wisconsin. Uh, and, uh, you know, what your uh, let's let's get the hills, the history of Nelson Ferrer out here, because there's a lot of stuff even we don't know about you yet. That, uh, exactly. That you know, we'd we'd love to hear. How did you get into kung fu? Tell us, tell us the whole enchilada, Nelson. Yeah, so, give us the karate. I'll <laughs> give you the rice and beans since I grew up in Brazil instead of the enchilada. <laughs> okay, nice. that'll work. <laughs> well, yeah. Make yeah, me so hungry. I, I guess. Yeah, actually, my wife just made some awesome rice and beans, so I'm pretty mm. cool. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so going on, on to uh, I guess history a little bit of yeah. myself. Uh, I was uh, born in New York. Uh, New York City and Manhattan, to be more precise. My father actually was a judo practitioner. And so by the age of five, he kind of started my brother and I into judo. And uh, my brother's, my dad's Brazilian. My mother's American. And uh, in 1976, we moved to Brazil. Uh, and my dad, one of the many reasons besides the whole point of uh, Brazil being the country of the future and all that stuff at that <laughs> they're actually doing okay right now you know and it's kind of funny because i kept telling my dad that you know the greatest thing about brazil is that it's the country of the future that it will always be the country of the future because it's never going to get there but you know <laughs> nice. but uh but now it's doing great yeah now it's fantastic but right. uh the so that we moved to brazil and one of the things that he wanted to was to be able to get me involved with a little bit more uh serious uh, martial arts training uh, as the judo, one of his dreams was for me to be able to be the uh, into the Brazilian Olympic team by the 1988 Olympics type thing. And, you know, right. so he wanted me to really kind of take it seriously. So he hooked me up with some really good teachers when we moved down there. And by about age 10, I was kind of, eh, you know, I had done like five years of judo and I was, you know, like the practicing you know quite a bit and i wanted to see what else was out there so i kind of like did some uh karate and some taekwondo and, and when i say karate i mean shotokan and you know and then i did some taekwondo uh i did uh played around with uh aikido and some other uh martial arts as well like capoeira for example the brazilian martial art there you go yeah, so uh, I did a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of really interesting stuff, uh, even like what was called at the time Muay Thai, which we found out later was actually like what they called Dutch kickboxing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's slightly it's different. It's a common thing. It's a common yeah. uh, mislabeling, but it's great for marketing. Yeah. It, oh, absolutely. So, so uh, yeah, so I did some of that stuff. And then eventually my mother, actually, that's a Tai Chi instructor. She's also a... Wow. Uh, acupuncturist uh and she actually was a student of my teacher at the time and she said oh you know he teaches this thing called shaolin and you know do you remember the david carradine stuff and, and <laughs> like i remember watching it somewhat in the u.s when i was a kid and it's like oh sure you know let's go check it out and i went around went with my brother and like a a, a sworn brother i had a sworn brother uh as well that one the three of us went there and uh, oh, one out of the three, you swore a lot, is what you're saying? No, uh, no, sworn is in like, you know, blood brother type, you know? So, like, I know, I'm just messing with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> not with each other, but actually with other people. So, that's a whole different story. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, we uh, visited the school, and my brother and my sworn brother actually were quite, uh, they're not only older, but also had 
quite a bit more experience and we were talking about it afterwards and that's one thing that kind of blew me away from the class that I had watched was the breathing exercises. It was the first time I actually was kind of, you know, watching people do like Qigong. And Exposed right. to that sort of material. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, I was very, like, how old were you when this was going on? I was 14. So that's, did you respect it and appreciate it and get awed by it? Or were you like, what the hell is that ridiculous thing? That just looks I retarded. I was, was awed by it. I was because, I mean, I was in martial arts already at this point for about nine years. And right. It was the first time I actually saw a class in which people were telling me to breathe and, and think about, you know, using your mind to think about something that's very different from just like, okay, this is where you grip the guy. This is where you're going to go ahead and you put your hip in here. Right. Or this is where you're, you know, making your fist or this is, you know, it was all of a sudden there's this whole world that I, you know, never was aware of. So it was very, you know, I was taken aback by it and, and very, very, uh, you know, surprised with, uh, what became done my, my, Dr. Wu, uh, and yeah, so that's kind of how I got involved with, the with, the Shaolin stuff and, and, you know, went, went on from there. I kind of gave up on other styles and, you know, really it was, was your love, so to speak. You fell in love. You found your spot. Right. Exactly. I mean, it was, uh, it wasn't just about <laughs> kicking or, or punching or throwing or pushing or, you know, there's weapons and then there's, you know, there's, there's so much of the, the, of a martial culture that goes beyond simply one thing. Right. So yeah, it's there's one of the karate too. You got to give props to the karate too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I voted for the, I, the only show that no doesn't know just karate but crazy because yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> nice nice but, uh, but you know it's one of those things I, I was uh, I was very very impressed by it and it really changed my my mindset as to what martial arts were and that's kind of how I got into to Chinese martial arts I was really you know and at the time it was really interesting because didn't really give much thought to it and realize that, you know, uh, much later, uh, the importance of my teacher in terms of a general context of, you know, the bigger picture, I should say. Well, tell us a little bit about that because, uh, Brazil was kind of a hot spot uh, for the Northern Shaolin diaspora. So tell us a little bit about what, uh, you know, that, that was like there at that time. Yeah, definitely. Because this is something, uh, that, you know, I, I teach the style and, my teacher taught me a lot of cool stuff, you know, within the style. The one thing lacking in my education, unfortunately, was a lot of the history stuff about who his teacher really was. All I have is his name and his, the teacher that taught him his name. You know, all I have are names. And, you know, looking on the Internet, it, I find very little and this kind of thing. And it, it came years later that I realized there's all these subgroups of Northern Shaolin. It's not like you and I do the exact same forms exactly the same way. There's differences and there's dialects and subdialects. You know, if you although I will interject here, when I first met Nelson, uh, at some point we had a, a quiet moment and we were talking about Northern Shaolin, and I just you know I busted out like the first two lines of Lian Buchuan or something. Yep. He's like, oh yeah, I know that, and then he popped out the first couple of lines of Tunda, I think, uh, or something. I'm like. <laughs> 
Oh, hell yeah. And it was like, that's one of the beautiful things about being in a system or having some education in it is you can immediately like make friends with somebody because if you if you the can do forms that the, the other guy recognizes handshake. yeah it's like oh hey welcome in brother you know oh, that's exactly it it's like we you know we speak kind of the same language you know uh physically speaking you could say and yeah absolutely it's like immediately like we're brothers let's you exactly. know yeah let's do it it's yeah. good stuff but at the same time that's where i'm coming from when i say that i never realized you know, uh, until years later that were, you know, yeah, there's this special language that Kung Fu guys can get off one another. You know, a Hungar guy goes, sees a Hungar guy, in Orange Shaolin, whatever, or an MMA guy said, well, I can tell you studied with the same kind of line of theory and all that. You know, it's a, it's a immediate brotherhood friend, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And that's yeah. wonderful. But, but you I know, also, I, I think we asked him a question about five minutes ago that we should probably go ahead and let him answer and then we'll yeah. move on to the next thing. <laughs> So going on, I guess it was Brazil and uh, kind of how martial arts there and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, Brazil and and you know I have to say that the experience really, I think anybody that grew up learning martial arts in the eighties uh, <laughs> or you know even to a certain part of like the early nineties was not uh, the interest was not in. Uh, uh, who are the dead people up on the wall? You know, I mean, really, the right. the right. interest was like, what is it that this teacher is teaching me? And you know, I, I'm I'm into this, and this is what I'm going after. And you know, so so honestly, I mean, I myself only got to really get into uh, more of the history once I came to the U.S. It was uh, in Brazil. I was just you know, this is my teacher, and my teacher learned it from him, and I know that my teacher's got good stuff because I know it works. You know, it's applicable. So, so yeah, uh, it, it was one of those things. Coming to the U.S., I actually got to learn a lot more about the history. Uh, well, first with uh, Shifu Robert Louis, uh, uh, he yeah. passed on a lot of that information. Uh, I also had a, some great uh, conversations with uh, Shifu uh, Wing Lam. Yeah, uh, because he actually is a shifu of a, another good friend of mine that actually is in Wisconsin too. Uh, shifu uh, Steve Kleppy. Wow, okay. uh, he actually is about an hour and a half away from Madison, so that's another Northern Shaolin guy uh, yeah. that does hunga and some other stuff as well. Right. But uh, Lam's hunga. Yeah, exactly. So he's cool. from the same group, and uh, right. so I got to you know talk to some of the Northern Shaolin people that, and then kind of by happenstance we ended up uh, finding out that uh, my Shishong, my older brother in uh, Kung Fu, turns out to be Stan Henning. I don't know if you guys know oh, yeah. martial arts historian. So oh yeah, we do. Yeah. So then we have uh, you know we had some wonderful conversations and you know shared some pictures of you know uh, back and forth of uh, our teacher and you know it's really it's it pretty neat. So it's uh, so. In terms of the history, yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that, uh, Shifu. It's one of those things. It's very it, – it was something, I think, that really came out in the 90s is, yeah. and, is when all of a sudden everybody's like, where's People the People started and, giving a care about it, you know, exactly, for the longest exactly. time. Nobody yep. was talking about that stuff. Because yeah, like we only really wanted the skill. I mean, we, exactly. we were looking at the skill and we wanted the knowledge and that type of stuff. And again, as I said, you know, then actually, uh, Shifu Bob, you, which I know, you, uh -huh. you know, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Rubber you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, he's the one that made the comment. You know, it's like, we don't really care about the dead guys up on the wall. You know, we're, we're I we love that phrase. The last guy that was teaching us the stuff right there. You know, he's the one that said it. I, I, I just love that quote. It's, it's so true. Uh, but, you know, so yeah, in Brazil, uh, uh, of course, you know, the the biggest name in Brazil, of course, is uh, uh, Master Chan Kawe, yeah. uh, that he he's one of the very, very first uh, 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 guys to bring it here. <laughs> yeah, he's the first one that came to Brazil as a as a martial arts instructor. Uh, this was like in the sixties already. My teacher arrived in, in the seventies. So, so yeah, Chan Kawe was there and there was actually a gentleman that was there a little bit before him, but of, uh, not to say that he was of no consequence. It's just like he never expanded himself like you know, that Grandmaster Chan Kawe did. And Chan Kawe, of course, went to Sao Paulo, which is, you know, the biggest city in, in Brazil. And so there's a really For big smart marketing purposes, I guess. Oh yeah. And, and Sao Paulo, has also a, a good uh, a community of uh, of there's a, a decent sized community of Chinese. There's a huge Japanese community uh, there. There's like I know the, that. Oh yeah, the the there's a neighborhood called the Liberty Neighborhood in in Brazil that for the longest time was a Japanese uh, expatriate community, and there's a strong strong tradition between uh, uh, Japan and Brazil because of that. Uh, it's very, very interesting culture. Uh, so yeah, Asian culture was something that uh, was pretty, you know, people were very accepting in Brazil, uh, especially in Sao Paulo, of course. And then, you know, Rio being another one of the hubs, you know, many teachers went there as well. Um, so, so yeah. And, uh, and of course, uh, Chen Kawei's uh, line comes from Hong Kong, yeah. you know, with uh, master uh Yim Mo or yep. Yim Mo. Yep. And then uh and then you know ours kind of came through Taiwan. So Oh. And, yeah, so because my teacher actually Cha, was it? Uh no, well, my teacher actually uh learned uh from uh Yujen Chen and Ma Jingbiao. Okay. Which the two bios that I had put up on the on Right, the, right, right. Yep. I saw those. I wasn't sure if that was a direct line or or if you were kind of posting random BSL history or. Yeah, no, no. Those were my two Shigong. So, oh, okay. and then they had learned it from uh, Gujang. And um, the interesting, you know, part of it is that uh, so my teacher had already started very early on uh, with uh, Master Bu Quan of Shenyi. And, mm -hmm. you know, so there's the Shenyi line in there, and he's very strongly influenced by Shenyi. As a matter of fact, a lot of people who've seen our Northern Shaolin say that we have kind of a Shenyi flavor to our Northern Shaolin. And that's direct. I can see that. Yeah, mm -hmm. directly impacted by my teacher. It's very, you know, we're very. A lot of the half step and stuff. You know? Beyond boost up. Yeah. yeah, you don't do it so much in the form, but a lot of times in application and drills, you'll yeah, see it come out. Yep, yeah. exactly. And then, you know, we end up having uh, uh, and very application driven too. my teacher was, you know, very much, uh, you know, it's 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 one of those things that uh, it has to look good, be healthy and it has to be applicable. It has to have those three legs to stand on. If it doesn't have it, it's no good. So so, you know, application, we had a, a strong flavor for that. He kind of, you know, liked fighting and you know, part of everybody fighting too. So it's pretty, pretty interesting, uh, you know, groups. So that, those are two different, you know, groups cool. of, uh, of the Northern Shaolin that was in, uh, in Brazil. And of course my teacher was in Rio and, uh, Grandmaster Chancaway was in, uh, in Sao Paulo. Uh, I know that there's a couple of people who, 
who bet, went between the two of them. There's a famous uh, teacher that was named Marcel Teixeira that uh, studied with my teacher for a while and then went to Chancaway's group and then he came back. So, and he ended up kind of, you know, taking along with the, uh, uh, the Shangyi portion of things. Uh, right. Unfortunately, he passed away uh, at a pretty young age too. It was kind of a very unfortunate situation, but. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's that. And then of course there's a strong Eagle Claw presence. And, uh, yeah, yeah uh, that's uh present in both of these branches. I can tell you from experience. Yep. Yep. Let me ask you this. Do you, um, it sounds like your, your teacher Wu, mm-hmm. uh, who studied under, under Chan, uh, mm-hmm. is about the level of my teacher's name was Frank Gibson and his teacher who I know nothing about. And I, I, be I would love so much if I could learn something about him, but is Chin Byung Chun or Chan Byung Chun something like that? I don't know the Chinese characters of his name, but I've seen a couple of forums people recognize who I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but all they say is that he studied under him. So I don't know. You know, do you does that name ring a bell? Do you know who I'm talking about? It doesn't offhand. Uh, I'd have to look into that. Do you know where he where he lived? Uh, um, I know he was teaching in Florida. He taught John. The only other cat that I know the name of that trained under him was John Lupus, aside from my teacher, Frank. And John Lupus, uh, you know, probably I take that offline, but, you know, uh, didn't study at quite too long there. Um, <laughs> but my teacher came and, and studied for a good long while. But, um, yeah, I don't know anything about this cat. I met him once. And he had and, Matt, and he had studied with uh, Grandmaster Chan in Brazil. Yes. Okay. Because and I mean, came to, I'll tell you. So, so here's a couple of little pieces of information. Like you know, Miami is considered like the 26th state of Brazil. You know, uh, it's, okay. there's so many Brazilians that are are there, and uh, and I mean, Matt, Grandmaster Chan Kawei has. Uh, I mean, he has several students. Uh, even in the U.S., there's a few people who are out there that. Are kind of they run a little bit under the radar, I guess, but right. I know that they're present in the U.S. Uh, mm. So yeah, it would not surprise me at all that uh, there's somebody in in the Florida area that would be teaching Northern Shaolin from uh, Grandmaster Chan's uh, line. Uh, right. As a matter of fact, I just wish he was more vocal about it, so I can at least look him up on the internet or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't well, know. It's don't, like I'm missing yeah. that piece of my history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you you know about uh, Grandmaster Chan. Also has like a policy that no students can put videos up. So oh, I didn't know that. No, I didn't. Yeah. So there's a, there's a little bit of an issue on that as to you know onto that. Uh, didn't Horacio and Claudio both put stuff up though? I believe they did, but it's not to the extent of like his Brazilian students because uh, they're from Argentina. Ah, so okay. I think that they they have a little bit more autonomy on that. But again, I'm not 100 percent sure of the situation there. But right. uh, but I do know that uh, there's uh, there's. Uh, stuff that you know they just say you you can't put video up so that could you know that could cause part of the problem i know that for a while i don't know if you guys remember this uh, there's a guy uh in the ohio area that the guy name was wuchi new he had like Mm. uh yeah yeah Yeah, he did uh he worked with gene ching and wing lam before wing Mm -hmm. lam made his own series exactly he had that wtn productions so so yeah that guy was a grandmaster chan student as well and he was a Brazilian Chinese guy that went to to the Ohio area. So, so yeah, there's. I mean, they're they're out there. It's just you know, I don't I don't know where any of these people are either. It's kind of interesting because you know, I've asked uh, Gene about if he knew whatever right. happened to Wu Chinu, and nope, nothing. And mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's kind of 
under the radar type thing and you know not not really not really out there so yeah it is difficult and i'll tell you finding information about my two teachers was extremely difficult or my two teachers teachers uh right. was, was extremely difficult uh because i came up across this because my teacher gave me a when i became his disciple he gave me a training manual and in the training manual there's like pictures of master you and master mine there and he said these are the ones that taught me uh, Nor- the northern Shaolin, uh. and I was just like, oh, okay, never thought anything about it. This was uh-huh. like back in the late '80s, you know. Right. Then all of a sudden, I'm in the U.S. and and you know, all, everybody's like, oh, where'd you learn? Who learned this? Who learned that? And all that stuff. And I'm like, well, all I know is that these two guys here, and this is their name. <laughs> you know, this is all I really know. And and I like actively dug for information, and uh, you know, uh, it's hard, uh, dude. It is very, very hard. And actually, even that information I got was stuff that I got straight from, like, China, people that I was able to connect with. Oh, sweet. They, you know, I kind of sent emails. Uh, As a matter of fact, Stan Henning actually did some, you know, I I got some great uh, contacts uh, through him and stuff. Uh, Cool. uh, So it's one of those things, you know, it's just trying to, you know. Man, all my history I got from Sifu Louie. Uh-huh. Because uh, w- another piece, you know, basically, so I'm looking for information on my teacher's teacher, my teacher's northern Shaolin teacher. He was big in a Taoist Qigong type crap, and so mm-hmm. I know the, that guy. Mm-hmm. But the the Kung Fu guy, I you know, I don't know anything about. And then also, uh, for a while, I had lived overseas in uh, Singapore, and I ran into one cat in the middle of the parks who was doing northern Shaolin, man. I saw him doing Botbo. Walked up on him like, oh, hell no. That looks too, what? 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 You know, and <laughs> so then I run up on him, and, and so I start training with him, and, and he works with me. But the guy spoke hockey, and I only speak Mandarin, mm. and my only hockey, and I can curse for a Mahjong game, and that's about it. You know, you know I'm down for that, too. That's my Cantonese extent <laughs> right there. I know how to, like, tell people off in Mahjong or call them a liar, flip the table over, go. and I'm like, you know. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> see? How you need you to come down here. Dragon, you yo. need to come visit. Dude, it's time for the SmackDown. <laughs> Dude, you need to come visit. We 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 Craig throw Mahjong parties, man. Oh, yeah, I we throw Mahjong parties in Joe. We do a summer program uh, for kids here at our school, and yeah. uh, one of the things they teach we teach them is Mahjong, and of course, Chinese nice. people are horrified by that. They're like, "You teach these kids Mahjong?" I'm like, yeah, what? I know. We might as well hand them a gun and a sack <laughs> to put <laughs> exactly. over their head. <laughs> You're gonna make a criminal out of them. I don't know if you guys seen those automatic Mahjong tables. Oh, they the Japanese usually, yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> used to be exper- yeah, expensive as hell, but they're crazy, man. I oh, love them. Oh, I love pretty, them, pretty sweet. dude. We gotta hang. We gotta hang. I'm telling you this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I am gonna be going down to uh, North Carolina for the CACMA tournament. So, you know, we should see if there's any way that we can try to hook up at some point. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Go down as you know, we'll, we'll figure something out. I'm sure. So we'll, yeah, we'll absolutely. Do, so. And when let me ask you this: Do you do you know the you know like I said when I was coming up through Norn Shellen, I I learned the forms, the applications, the fighting, the strategy. You know how to speak Chinese, all that kind of shit. But I didn't learn the history. Um, one thing's, I mean, I'm learning still to this day. Thank God to the internet and some of these forms. Is that I'm seeing this Liu Ha or Luck Hop. Uh, influence. I'm also seeing a strain of uh, Lohan uh, mm-hmm. influence, and I'm, you know, I'm having to make my own interpretations here. And I'm, so I see two distinct uh, sub dialects of Northern Shaolin, basically, and I'm not sure where they came from. And mm-hmm. is there more 
do you get what I'm getting oh, at? And what do you know about this? As a matter of fact, you can even like throw into that mix Chatron, you know? Yeah, some, yeah, something true. Like, you know, some people can even say, oh, yeah, that's like, you know, it, you know, that whole moniker Northern Shaolin, you know, people can say Northern Shaolin Chatron, Northern Shaolin Liu He, Northern Shaolin, yeah. whatever, you know, and it, and it's it, it's certainly one of those things. Uh, and I have to tell you that it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, I learned a few uh, Chatron sets from my teacher. And four, when six. Came, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, four, five, and six, actually. Yeah. And it was one of those things that, unfortunately, I when I found out that they were not Guru Zhang Northern Shaolin, I kind of yeah. decided to say, yeah, you know. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna focus just on the Guru Zhang stuff, and then I didn't realize that actually it was Master Yu's four, five, and six that I had lost. So <laughs> yeah, it was kind of stupid Kicked of me. You know, I didn't think about. You know, it's one of those things. I'm just kind of. I need to focus on this. You know, on this aspect. Well, yeah, we're we're only human beings for one thing, and there's only so much time in a damn day. And it, I wish I'd been able to retain everything I've touched upon in my journey through martial arts. But there's been times when I've had to. D- kind of willfully put my foot down and say, all right, I'm going to stop trying to do this. I'm going to let it go because if I'm going to be good, I got to get good enough at one thing to make it, you know, (laughs) worth my time everybody else's. Yeah. To make it really be Kung Fu, a skill that's mastered, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. And then when I, because I spent a a good chunk of time actually working with uh, 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 Shifu Steve Kleppi, from the wing Lam group. So I got to learn actually several things I did not know, uh, from the, from the type of Northern Shaolin that my teacher was teaching. So I kind of actually put like, you know, these two together, there's some stuff, some stuff, more advanced stuff that, that Shifu Kleppi ended up teaching me. And I put, uh, put them together with the stuff that my teacher taught. And so you can kind of say that, you know, even though I have like the Taiwanese or Taiwan line, uh, of uh, the Northern Shaolin from my teacher at the same time, I kind of added on uh, some other Northern Shaolin that's definitely <laughs> from the Hong Kong group. You know, yeah. so- I'm with you there. I actually mix in, uh, believe it or not, a little Southern and a little Hakka hands into mm-hmm. uh, my teaching, uh, mainly from my Singapore experience. I mean, I studied some Juklum before I went to Singapore, but after Singapore, you know, my guy spoke only Hakka and he was from Fujian. And uh, he was nothing but Hakka hands and then learned Northern Shaolin on top of it. And so he had some interesting things, especially when it comes to Duan Da or Tun Da, you know, type stuff. Yeah. I mean, power. one of our favorite themes on this show, too, is that if, if a style doesn't change a little bit from the teacher to the student, then something's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Or something's wrong with the student. You know, you got to own this shit. And, and so you got to do your own thing with it. Yeah. My teacher actually would say that, you know, the tradition of our style is progression. Yeah, so, true. You know, and it's one of those things. I mean, I I totally agree. It's like if you are a carbon copy of your teacher, you're not doing your teacher any. You're not doing your teacher justice. You know. Well, here's, yeah. I got an interesting question for you that'd be interesting for the rest of us too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you hear my kids freaking out in the background? <laughs> Whatever they're yelling at, I'm agreeing. <laughs> he wants more sushi. I want another like factor fake. Yeah. <laughs> But no, Mahjong game going on back there. That's yeah. right. That's what I'm talking about. See, I didn't Got know you played Ma, Mahjong. We, you got to come down, man. We have parties and like a lot of people, and we I've have a big potluck. I've heard of it. I've been yeah, just, it's like, good oh, stuff. I envy that. So. Yeah, we're gonna, gonna have to do it. Game night and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. Out of uh, how do you call them? Uh, like you know, social get-togethers and that type of stuff. So usually, yeah. Mahjong games end up. 
busting out at some point. We have like a couple of tables and sets and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it's 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 fun. But we of course can't curse because you know it's all kids and family members yeah. and stuff like that. So <laughs> you'll have to pick a different language that none of the kids know and curse in that. Well, I'm you thinking, know. I'm trying to see if once the kids get to be like 16, I'm like, okay, and I'm going to teach you guys how to swear in Cantonese. And, uh, <laughs> And then your parents will never know and just say, oh, I'm just saying that they, you know, their hair is nasty looking or something. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, let yeah. me ask you this. I was curious. That we got off on the crazy track, which is always wonderful. But sure. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, like with my teacher, Frank Gibson, he sp- gave me very specific instructions on how I could make, oh, excuse me, adjustments to the system, to the form. <laughs> And everything, what I could change, how I could change things, and how I could not. He gave me a very clear formula, uh, you know, basically saying you can change one thing for every form if your student is, um, you know, much older or physically, uh, you know, different, um, and and you can change it, but you have to keep to these principles. Uh, You can change one thing in this type of form based on this and that and that, and it was very formulated. Well, now, Craig, let me ask, are you talking about, uh, like... I've seen three and four tiered techniques in the forms you taught me where right. it could simply be a turn and a back fist, or if you want to go higher level with it, it could be a jump tornado kick landing, you know, and the, you know, you can, well, no, and all points in between, like a, yeah. an inside outside crescent kick instead of a tornado kick in that part, if you can't do that. Yeah, that's you know? part of the formula on logical changes of when and how you change it for somebody that can't do it. Um, that's more on the teaching aspect. The other thing is application where, you know, a kick you simply, instead of extending from the knee, you just keep the, uh, the shin tucked and it becomes a knee strike or it becomes a foot placement setting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was also this other thing about what I could add to the art as a being filtered down through me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was very much a very specific formula of what I could and could not do. What I was curious about was, was that unique to my experience, or is that something of the Northern Shaolin experience? Is that something you also experienced, basically? Well, in terms of a formula per se, I would not say that, you know, I have – I certainly was never given a formula of such. What my t- teacher did uh, make very clear is that if I did not – could not perform a technique, I needed to at least know what that technique was. So in case I ended up teaching a student that could perform the technique – they could do you it. know how to teach so it. So, for right? example, I was never able to get into full splits. You know, mm-hmm. the most I ever got into into the into the full to the full splits was about six inches off the ground. You know, from the center, and and but I do have like some students that can go negative. You know, and, <laughs> right. You know, so it's get one of those two things. chairs and let their <laughs> let their exactly. crotches touch the floor. Yeah, exactly. And but on the other hand, I have some guys that cannot fight you know it's mm-hmm. and and you know so Forms it's one guys of those but have no application exactly uh, you know i kind of grew up as a fighter you know and right. it's one of those things you, you have to you, my teacher was very specific you you need to understand it all you may not mm-hmm. be able to perform it you know mm-hmm. or or you may have a student that can't perform it you know i mean i do have students that have uh uh you know i have students that have issues with palsy i have students that have uh issues i even have like autistic students and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you have to modify what you're teaching to them in you know to accommodate that so they can still understand what the real basics and the real core or the the heart of the matter really is right uh 
you know, at the same time, passing them on uh, the other stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I had a formula per se, but certainly uh, a guide in terms of, you know, if you can't do it, you got to know at least how to teach it, you know, and, you know, and if you can do it and you've come across people who can't do it, you have to just, you know, have to be accommodating, you know, so it's the same yeah. thing. I've been encountering that uh, as I get older. I've got to interject here, too, for people who don't know Nelson or have never seen any of his work. uh, He's not a a slip of a man. (laughs) He's a robust (laughs) Wisconsin-looking guy. (laughs) And i got to say, I was really, you know, you're talking about you can modify the forms, but, like, the form stuff, very briefly, really, that I've seen you do, though, I was uh, really surprised at how well you move at your size. Well, thank you. Tornado kicks, you know, jumping kicks, uh, no problem. And just that same tartness of movement that goes with that system, Mm -hmm. that Shaolin snap, you know, Mm -hmm. Meteor, meteor punches and whip like a nail. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I just want to get that out there. He's not, he's not thank faking you. it for the for the people. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate it. So I mean, I, I do have to say that the, ever since you saw me do it, things have gone downhill in terms of my health. But I'm trying to slowly get myself back on track with that so as i said we all have this pesky condition called aging oh yeah (laughs) it pisses me off it's like what you know i get on the scale it's like oh my god dave you're a mess and it's like well you're also 44 fucking years old now so (laughs) you know i'm just happy to be here thank you yeah (laughs) and then sometimes life just happens you know and you got exactly kind of have to you know it's one of those things i kind of I, I tell uh, uh, students a lot because, uh, of course, you know, sometimes you have the guy that walks in and, you know, sees, oh, this guy looks like he's totally out of shape and, you know, doesn't doesn't look like he really can do much or anything like that. And and the, the question really is, you know, OK, I am one of the main reasons why I am I am teaching what I'm teaching is because my teacher passed this on to me. And I really feel that this is my obligation as his disciple, that I need to keep this alive. The fact that they passed it on to you at all should say something. But you're talking with, you know, bubblegum pop people who have no clue anyway. Exactly. I get the same thing. For you, it might be being in size. For me, it's, you know, for a long time I was a smoker and still mm -hmm. am. And people get freaked out when they come out and, and see me smoking. But I smoke at the same time that I'm doing forms and everything else. And yeah, it's it. horrible, but it's Chinese. Arts are smokers. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a whole Chinese thing. Do your form with a cigarette dangling out of the corner well, of your mouth. My favorite is lion dancing. When people have their, like, their lion dancing. In the lion head? The tail is not on the tail. He's just smoking there looking at what's going on. I, that, <laughs> I, I love that. That's like, I'm like, that's lion dancing. You know? That is smooth, dude. That is good love. That really is. Flaming but, uh, lion dancing. It's one of Things Wait, that, that brings something else into it. <laughs> it's, but it's one of those things that you end up, uh, you know, having. Um, I mean, you have. I, we all have a responsibility. I think uh, if we're serious <coughs> uh, and dedicated enough to our teacher to 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 pass that on, and it's it's that knowledge. You know, the important thing is that you have the knowledge, and you have the knowledge to teach, and the knowledge to pass it on, and. And perhaps to me, I, at least in my opinion, is uh, it, that that knowledge and how to pass that knowledge is far more important than necessarily my own skill. You know, I have students of mine that can do, you know, I'd say that I was an average guy 
on on all fronts, but I have students of mine that are excel as fighters. I have students of mine that excel in forms, excel in weaponry. You know, they they can you know they know certain things you know, and they can perform things at a much higher level than I ever could, and and I'm proud of that. You know, yeah. Uh, so me, that's really the work, really, of the teachers to be able to, uh, uh, you know, see the students go beyond you. Uh, yeah. Custom yeah. Auto couldn't knock Mike Tyson out. Yeah, yeah. But that's not the question. Hey, that's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. Maybe it's like, the answer. One my, yeah. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite sayings, uh, or one of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, pieces of philosophy, I guess you would want to say, is a uh, Rumi once said, you know, the true master is the one that makes the that can get the student to knock down the the, the idol image they make of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A student can go beyond the teacher and with their skill, you know, that that's really what what it's designed. And, and a second part to that is the student uh, should always be grateful to know that, you know, even though. Uh, you know, you could probably physically beat your teacher. You can be better than him on a on a competition or something like that. You never forget where you got that from, and you always have the humility that you always want to help the person that got you there. So there's like that whole right. thing. Right, and if they're lucky, they'll eventually have a student that can outdo them. Exactly. You know? That's what every teacher wants. <laughs> that's the traditional way of passing yeah. things on. Exactly. That's that's how I see it. So it's fantastic. I mean, it's a it's a great world when we can, you know, when we can kind of see. That happened in front of our eyes, so it's really pretty, pretty special. Well, the, tell everybody real quick a little bit about your school up there in Wisconsin. You've been a successful yeah, teacher up, up there, there for for many years now. Well, Do your own horn. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to open a kung fu school last year and fell flat on my face. So, brother, you've been in business. Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't figure out enough about how the city operated before I did it. That yeah, I'll tell you if the city if the city is not friendly to that, that can be very very difficult. We yeah. had a wonderful spot, it looked beautiful, but the functionality it was ready to go. But they wanted with. me to take that old building up to modern standards and put sprinklers in and do all kinds of stuff for reclassification. Oh. I'm like, you want me to pony up twenty thirty thousand dollars before I even get to open the door? It's sure. not going to happen. Yeah, no, that- not in my world. Well, if you decide to do it again, let's talk because, you know, I have to say that in the past, like, you know, I've been, we, I, I started teaching in Madison. I moved it. I moved to back to the U S in um, in 88 and, uh, and I would travel every year to visit my teacher up to 94. Um, and I started teaching about 1990 in, um, uh, in Madison at a, the Tai Chi center. And that's how I met actually Bob, uh, yeah. you and uh, his his ex wife uh, Trisha Yu, and uh, as a matter of fact, his son Kai Min used to study with me and all that. So so for the first few years, I was teaching over at the Tai Chi Center, and then um, and then in '95, uh, we went on and opened up our own school. And I have to say that from '95 until 2011. I have made every mistake on the book in terms of business, <laughs> you know, and there's been days that I had to do the whole, you know, hey, I got to pay my gas and electric bills. So I'm only going to be paying half of the rent this month until two weeks right. from now. I can pay the other half for you right. and doing the juggling act and all that stuff. And it's tough. It's uh, a little but- ghetto, but this is what you get with traditional Kung Fu, unfortunately. Yeah, it's very true, you know, because I mean. It, trust me, I I would not be doing it for the money because yeah. you know there people, really isn't a whole people lot. People don't there. give a shit about working hard and hurting themselves yep, to yep. achieve long term goals. Yep. They want the quick and, and now and the easy. 
Yep, exactly. And uh, but but you know, I've learned a lot in terms of the business. So you know, as I said, if you ever wanted to sit down and talk, there's a couple of things I found out that I was not aware of. And and had I known about this back in '95, I would have been able to open a. You know, I mean far more successful. I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff. It's one of the things, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and, you yeah. know, it's yeah. like, uh, the, and experience is something you only gained after you needed it, you know? So. Well, yeah, that was one of the things. I, I lost a little money doing this, but I, I gained some knowledge. So if I do try it again, I'm going to have a better shot the next yeah. time. You know, yes. I definitely did, but I will absolutely, if I do get uppity like that again, I will call you and ring you for every piece of advice you can give me because oh, that's, it. sounds yeah. good. I'd love to be there for the grand opening. So, all um, right, we'll do a line dance and I'll and smoke we'll, in the tail. But, uh, cool. so going back to the, the school in itself. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, you know, kind of talked a little bit about the beginning there, uh, in 95, uh, I opened the school up, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of the, the idea behind the school was to propagate my teacher's teaching, you know, and, uh, because my teacher actually said, you know, go to the U S and, and, you know, go and spread and the karate stuff. Yeah. 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 And, uh, go, go and teach this. He gave me actually a couple of names of some people to meet. And wow. unfortunately, like, for example, one of them was uh master Yin Chan Ho. I'm not sure if you guys are, or, or know of him. Uh, he's a Northern Shaolin from okay. Hanching Tang's lineage. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so like, I know Hanching Tang, but I know very little of that lineage, nor do I understand it. It's not, it's not similar. Well, we had John Wang on the show and he was connected with that. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but the long the Shaolin really stuff. Thing. And, and I'll yeah. tell you, it's, it's, it's very, it's very cool stuff. And unfortunately I showed up three months after master Yin had passed away. And, and uh. I was, but I, I stayed there for a little bit and got to, you know, I, I got to experience a little bit of that style because and it was really neat because they're also like a Taiwanese sort of lineage and, you know, spoke common language with a Mandarin and all that stuff. So it was really, you know, kind of exciting to to uh, to, you know, work with with those guys a little bit, uh, you know, when I had first moved into moved to the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, as you know, uh, time went by. Uh, struggled 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 i have to say that you know uh, on the personal note i had a uh a, a incredibly difficult uh divorce that i went through that was uh sorry to hear that yeah no it was uh i, I will tell you i gained about a uh, hundred pounds within a uh eight year period uh because of the amount of stress that was going on with but that's me. in the past right uh but yeah no it's yeah and that's a long story in itself but but anyways uh so there's a lot of obstacles that occurred uh, during that time and, and, but, you know, you kind of, you kind of keep going at it. You have to have perseverance, you know, you kind of keep moving forward. And, uh, you know, we from Wisconsin, I know that Wisconsin is not necessarily like a well-known state for martial arts or anything like that. And, and, uh, so I just, it's, it's surprisingly nice up there though. I was in the summertime anyway, it's really beautiful. And, uh, but yeah, no, Mad Madison's great. I, I I really like Madison, and uh, and we've got a really good group of people. And um, so some of the stuff that we kind of did is uh, so I fought in the in the Guosu Leita in the early nineties, uh, the the Guosu tournament over in uh, uh, Maryland, uh, well Hunt Valley, I guess, uh, the Baltimore area. And yeah, was that Nagmaf that yeah, did who that? Was running Ty that? M was involved, and that was back in that time. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, 
Master Huang Chenliang, the oh, the owl, yeah. So he's the one that's the president of the of the U.S. for you know the U.S. KSF. Right, firm. right, right. So it used to be like the United States Chinese Guosu Federation. Now it's the United States Guosu Federation. But nice. uh, yeah, so I, I started like fighting in the in the early '90s uh, during that time. Made some great friends in there, and then when I opened the school, it wasn't. I didn't show up to a couple of years, and in '97 we started going back to that and got into. Uh, bringing, you know, right off the bat, we decided that we're just going to go into fighting and then slowly got into forums competitions as well in there and, you know, move forward. And uh, 2001, uh, I got selected to coach the U.S. at the Pan American Gosu Tournament in, in nice. Brazil. Yeah, so we took like 14 Sweet. people there and we ended up in a third place. So that was uh, pretty exciting. And then... Um, uh, and then we got like several titles throughout the Gosu years there for like about eight years. We were like on the top three schools. Uh, and our school really wasn't that big. I mean, our, our, my, my school at the time had about 45 to 50 students. And, wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so didn't really have that That's many. That's larger people. than my school at the moment. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it wasn't like, you know, and some of these schools are massive. You know, they have like, you know, sometimes like 400 students. And, right. You know, <laughs> And, and and they're like so they so like in terms of fighting you have this huge pool of fighters you know and here's like you know six guys and and me banging on them and and trying <laughs> to get ready for a tournament and to because they're going to be fighting all sorts of different people you know and there's so a reason they have single double and triple a football right it's like you know how big is your damn school how many what's your pool of talent look like yeah, true. Exactly. so and third place is actually pretty damn good you know, on the late tie, it's like the numbers work it's out like pretty you're good. Fight, you may fight a guy from a huge school or from a small school, and and that, I think that's part of the excitement of uh, of the of late tie stuff, which I yeah. really enjoy. And then, in, um, uh, so 2003, I actually got invited to coach the U.S. team. Unfortunately, my job wouldn't let me go, so they said that if uh. I, I had a, I, I had to find another job. So I ended up not going, but some of my students ended up competing and like they got like uh two of the fighters got a second place and then a couple of the forms guys got like a first second and third congratulations uh, nice 2006 now you're just talking about singapore 2006 was yeah. the world championship in singapore and yeah. yeah so i got to go as the u.s coach to singapore uh it was uh, the first time the U.S. won a Gulf tournament in Asia. Where I, are they hosting that in Singapore? At the Durian Field, basically. There's there's one I, place where there's like it looks like a durian, and it opens up. But uh, because I don't I, even know what a freaking durian is. It's a stinky ass fruit. You can't. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. you can't have it on trains or buses in I, Asia because it stinks I'm that bad. In here. <laughs> well, yeah. Singapore, I actually, you know, it's kind of funny because I really like that city. I, it's, I, I love it there. I miss it. There's a little bit of sightseeing that we did, but not a whole lot. And, and uh, but yeah, it's kind of, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was, uh, it's a fine city. There's a fine <laughs> You saw those t-shirts. <laughs> I know. You obviously don't chew gum either, but that's okay. <laughs> a really funny story. One of my senior students actually was traveling with me, and in the airplane, of course, we're chewing gum to kind of decompress. And I said, you want this when we do the descent? He's like, oh, sure. He puts it in his pocket, and right as we're going through customs, then there's, of course, that beautiful sign that says, welcome to Singapore. By the way, drug smuggling is uh, punishable by death. And Right. You know, all the soldiers there with their MP5s looking at you and all this. Gum stuff. smuggling, yeah. <laughs> he's in his pocket, he's like, oh, I have gum. 
you think I'm going to get to go to jail for this? <laughs> like, just play it cool, man. Play it cool. <laughs> yeah. No, they might cane you, but that's about as bad as it gets, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. So you've had guys uh, competing for a long time on the fighting side. You mentioned that that's one of the strong sides of it. Um, so, uh but, you know, before I even get into this, I have a really quick question I wanted to ask because I did train Northern Shaolin for about six years under this guy over here. Oh, shit. He's about to put me to shame. He's about to embarrass and, me. Uh, so I, I want to know where you kind of fall on the spectrum because he teaches his new kids a lot different. <laughs> um, we used to work out for like two hours solid before we ever touched a form, right? We did tons of basics, tons of drills, and people would throw up a lot, and it was all kinds of fun, right? <laughs> I trained about six years and and was just starting to learn Muay Fa, like the second one they teach in order. After six years of doing this, and now I go to his class, and he's got these kids. They've been there like a year, and they're learning Muay Fa. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck's going on here? So... I'm, I'm giving done. I'm giving Craig some shit over here. I Actually, I'm giving his students his his current students more <laughs> shit than I'm giving him. Yeah. But uh, awkward. how do you feel about it? like? Because uh, one of the things that I was really impressed with with Northern Shaolin is I got enough skill in my body from just doing the fundamentals of that system over and over and over and over again that everything else I encountered after that I had a huge head start. You know, uh, so how do you balance that? Like, there's so many forms to learn, but there's also such a deep well of, of uh, conditioning and uh, all that other stuff. How does it work at your school? So the way we, we work on it is, you know, uh, of course, you talk about, you know, Northern Shaolin as 10 handsets and you have the weapons and all that stuff. But uh, truly, we try to get into the student's mind that the first form or the first taolu that they're real the first pattern that they're going to be really learning is the jibengong so it's like right. they practice so we have these exercises that we do every class and we divide it into five seconds so the first section is stretching second section is breathing third section is stances or static posture third one is the upper body technique so punches elbows that type of thing and then the fifth part is uh, the lower body techniques which are going to be the kicks and knees and that type of stuff Right. And so they have to do that every class before they get on to whatever we do. So each week we work on something different. So like the first week of the month we work on first and third week of the month we work on sets. The second week of the month we work on china, and the third week of the or fourth week of the month we work on the application of the sets. So we kind of break some sets down and kind of say, okay, this is what's going on in the set. This is how you're going to react from it from either like a fighting position or from an unprepared position. And, you know, this is how the technique works. So, uh, so again, the Jibin Gong to us is the very first form that they have to really kind of understand well and how to do it over and over and over and over again. Uh, in terms of uh, forms it- itself, uh, we do kind of have like a beginner, intermediate, advanced sort of uh, categorization. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so for the beginners, they the uh, they would have to know like Tantwe and Niambu, and they get to learn broadsword. It should take them about a year and a half to two years to get those three. Okay. That, after wow. that, they get into uh, Tuanda and then uh, Staff and Mewa with the plum flower, and, uh, and that should take a year and a half to two years. And then after that, we move on to like uh, 
uh, straight sword and bapu and uh, spear, and then the two-person hand set and two-person staff set, and that would take them an additional year and a half to two years. Mm. Which, in which case, they kind of get into understanding five handsets and the four basic weapons plus a two-person handset and two-person staff set or two-person weapon set, which we kind of consider the basis of understanding kind of Northern Shaolin or Chinese martial arts for that matter. So once they understand that, then they're ready to kind of move on to the position of actually becoming instructors. Uh, and and after that, they move on. And then it, then it kind of, you know, people will be learning, I don't know, maybe like a, a set every couple of months maybe. Yeah. So, so, but but once they get that down, so you, we're really talking. You know, in the beginning, a good solid like four to six years that they have to to learn these eleven sets. So, you know, roughly, I don't know about uh, a set every four months or so, or, or six months, and 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 understanding the basics. And of course, this kind of there's a lot of other th- things that go into it: fighting and china and right, all. right. But yeah, that's kind of how we do it, and. We used to have like a very our, our system was actually very simple. You know, we didn't have a sash system or any of those type of things. And what, no we, black belts. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what ended up happening was this. So like we had a you know we had a no sash, and then meaning that you're kind of training to to become a student. You know, you're kind of a novice. And yeah. then after that, you you did a quick little thing, and and you became a student, and you got a sash, and the sash was black. Uh, well, you know, we found out that there's like a couple of guys that, you know, do do like some other martial arts and, and, and uh, went on to do the few months that they were required to get that, that sash on their waist. And, and now I'm and, a black sash in Northern and Shaolin. They, yeah. And I, I kid you not, there's some <laughs> out there claiming that they have a black sash in Northern Shaolin from John Yi Kung Fu Association. And, you the know, funny so like, thing oh. is, you get that as being a beginner. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's and your white belt. Yeah, so because of that, we're kind of like, okay, we got to figure something out. So now we, we've changed things a little bit, and we, we did incorporate a, a, a sash system, which is very simple. It's like no sash, white sash, green sash, red sash, instructor. And so it's not like a you know rainbow of colors or anything like that. It keeps things kind of simple, but at the same right. time, we're trying to avoid that whole people claiming things that they're not supposed to be claiming. Yeah, that's funny as shit you say that because I just recently, this past year, instilled the colored sash system into my school as well. Um, and I'd never used colored sashes before, but I recently found I have to do it. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things, I mean, honestly, and another thing that's, that kind of turned out, I mean, first of all, we realized that some students actually focused a lot better on the way that they were looking at their technique. The other thing that was really interesting is that we started really kind of hammering down on sort of like uh, what our curriculum really is and and right. having to very carefully about, you know, how are we going to be teaching this? And 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 it's, it's kind of because we started this in like, I think, 2009, I think was when we, we started using the the sashes and it and it uh, it kind of turned things around in terms of uh, making everybody focus on what they're learning and and really kind of mm-hmm. not taking things for granted anymore. It's not like they're just kind of oh I'm just going to come in I'm going to work this one thing out and whatever. It's like no they're they're thinking about you know where am I right now who's ahead of me who's behind me uh, you know what do I need to focus on to learn right now I don't have to think about you know a million things no I have to think about you know there's 
there's the set group of things and this is what I need to focus on. And if I can focus on this, I can move forward and then I have that down and yeah. that, that. So, so yeah, it's, I know that there's a lot of people who are against the whole, uh, sash and, you know, colored sash system and stuff like that. But I think if it's done with a reason, you know, if there's a reason, uh, a reason why you're doing it, uh, it, there's meaning behind it. Uh, then it, by all means, it, it's something that can be super helpful and can be super uh, focusing for your school, uh, you know, for your students. Your students are going to start understanding things better. Uh, well, Westerners are trained from childhood. We need kind of a roadmap, a ladder to climb. You know, we need step one, step two, step three, step four. And um, the older Asian system is sort of family style where everybody's just either your younger brother or your older uncle or whatever. And that's sort of how the differences are parsed out. Doesn't yeah. resonate as well with them. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because if you look in Asia now, they're, 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 they're going through their, they're going through the idea of like, uh, ratings and stuff like that. I mean, well, yeah. the, Duans, the Duans have been around for a while, yeah. but I agree. One of the great things is that. Regardless whether you use colored sashes, whether you use five colored sashes or 27 for ranks, or you use no sashes whatsoever, uh, you're still teaching them Norn Shaolin. It makes no difference. Absolutely. It's just the system of teaching that you feel most uh, at ease with in order to impart the knowledge. You Absolutely. Know, I mean, that's all it is. Yep. Absolutely. And, and again, people who don't, you know, people who don't have a sash system, more power to them. People who have sessions, you know what I mean? Just, I, yeah. I, I just do what you do, baby. Everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, just, it's one of those things. Do what you do. You know, it's like students in Wisconsin are going to be different from students in, you know, like Dusseldorf, you know, or yeah. Kuala Lumpur or, you know, Sao Paulo, Brazil. They're, everybody's right. going to have a slight different take on, and you have to understand the culture and you have to adapt to what the local culture is and how people are going to deal things. And, and, you know, and, and again, what is the main responsibility as a, a teacher and somebody who has been entrusted with a set of skills mm-hmm. is to pass it on, you know, and you, you, you think about different ways of passing it on and, and, and that's really, again, it's that you got to keep uh, moving forward with it. So. And i got to say, Northern Shetland is one of those great traditional systems in the sense that, like, I, I don't ever claim to know really much more than the Open Door Northern Shetland curriculum. But if you know that well, you've got a grounding in Kung Fu, you know? Oh, yeah. It, it's, uh, it, it can really serve you well no matter what you're doing. And, and especially if you're a relatively young person, it's an awesome style because there's something in there that will test Anyone, you know, Absolutely. yeah. Regardless, <laughs> of no matter how good you get, there's a there's another anything. drill, there's another trick, you know. There's something you can push it a little farther with. So it's great for you know younger people that are exploring what they can and can't do, or how hard they want to work at something. And well, and that's the greatest thing is that you can you can you get whatever you work on out of it. You know, you can yeah you can get something simple and just some enjoyment, or you can just you know go crazy nuts with it so so yeah, yeah it's yeah i i really love the i really love the system i mean i i do have you know i i currently work still on uh uh the tai chi and uh the sheng yi from my teacher kind of on do you the do goose style have you seen goose style i have seen goose style but i haven't uh i i didn't learn that i so. gotta say even though i'm you know i'm a northern shaolin guy goose style looks like a ripoff of a young style sorry yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I think it's all. I mean, you know, honestly, it's one of those things. A lot of the people from that, uh, from the Gosu era, like that 1928 to 1937 yeah. period, uh, it, it, it 
Yang style was sort of almost like the basis for all of these different styles that came out. Uh, and I mean, lots of personal stuff, uh, you know, yeah. styles in there. So yeah, uh, it's, uh, it, I, I think that that's exactly it. You know, it's like, yeah, going to get this basis. Hey, kind of like we talked about Northern Shaolin with a Shangyi flavor or Northern yeah, Shaolin with, uh, with a Choi foot flavor, like some of Tansan mm-hmm. people, you know, and, and that type of stuff. So, so yeah, you know, definitely. I, I, I think Yang really is pretty pervasive through a lot of those uh, styles out there, especially yeah. from that Republican. Muslim I mean, era. you can see, you can see all of Yang style Tai Chi, even in Liambu, as far as I'm concerned, yep. you know, like what I, what we call the, the monkey section, you know, where you do a little monkey paw fist, uh, uh yep. and yeah. a step back with <laughs> pulse exactly. monkey, yep. basically. It looks like a bunch of Tai Chi, but just on Northern Shaolin crack. Yeah, I, I, I did Northern Shaolin before I did any Tai Chi, so I was doing some Yang-style Tai Chi, and especially Chen-style, and I'm like, ah, this is just Northern Shaolin. Slow down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I mean, it, and again, it's one of those things, like, one like Shang, he, he wrote a book called, like, The Common Basis of, China, of Martial Arts, and, and, and really, there is a common basis. You know, there is something yeah, absolutely. very Chinese about, about all these styles, and they're all very much from, like, you know, this Shandong, uh, northern area of China, and they all kind of come from this, from if you look over the years, you know, like, uh, and how the maps have always been expanding and contracting within China, that area where northern Shaolin and Chen style and northern Mantis and all these other styles come from, it ha- has been an area of conflict for as long as China's been, been around. So, so yeah, I totally, I mean, I, I really think that there's, it, again, there's a little bit of, the, the basis is all there and everybody kind of takes it to a different side of it and kind of says, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to do it like this. And I'm going to make my, my mantis hand here. And but right. no, I'm going to use a hook and I'm going to turn it into this. And, you no, know, no, it's a monkey paw, damn it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's wonderful. Yeah. It's like a yeah. personal artistic thing. That's what I love. Yeah, you got your self-defense. You got your fighting. You got your personal growth system you know yeah yay i love myself and whatnot but you also got you know the 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 physical exercise and stuff and it's a growing system where people actually have a say it's kind of democratic in that regard and and all martial arts no matter where they come from are constrained by the human body so you know they're all gonna kind of spring from the same source. <laughs> Not us. We, we, I remember, we fly across I, the bamboo, right? Yeah, I remember the you know one of the my uh, one of those you know when Master Luo was at the, the school uh, and yeah, and I remember shoot. him doing that whole you know when because people were talking about he would like walk very exaggerated with his like hands like this like why it you know why is it the technique looks the same? Well, you know human beings only have two arms and two legs and you know <laughs> there's only so much that the they can do with the with that thing. So, so exactly, yeah, you know. and gravity and physics works yeah. on all of us the same way. So yeah. you know, <laughs> except for us superpower people, you just you know, you look for something that's broad enough to meet you in the middle, wherever your body is, or find your own particular flavor that works best for you. Exactly, exactly. Yes, indeed. All right, well, we've had a huge BSL explosion here on the podcast tonight, indeed. but I, I don't I don't want to keep you on here all damn night. So at some point, we have to start putting a bow on this. We do, but I just want to reach out there and say, Nelson, you and I need to talk more. Let's do that. Oh yeah. All right, Sounds let's reach good. out and do it. Well. Shit, I think we could talk for another hour on the show too, but you know, yes. we, we gotta save something for next season. So <laughs> Yeah, and you know, call me in. I mean if you ever need you know, if you ever need a 
to, you know, talk about whatever. I mean, I'd be right. more than happy to, you know, talk the about ne- The next time I fail at a school, I'm going to call you and you're going to... Why do you keep sleeping with my wife? Stroke my hair and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me it's all going to be okay. It can be done. Nelson, no, stop but... sleeping with my wife. Seriously. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, what's wrong? Craig. Hey. Oh, never mind. I'll tell you later. All right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, before we do shut this thing down, uh, why don't you tell everybody out in high Isle land, uh, you know, where they can look for you. Uh, do you have a blog? Do you have any sort of contacts where uh, to you give your school? Info? Yeah. 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 Course. Tell us what's coming next. in, in the your own horn in <laughs> Nelson Fierro's life. So, I mean, uh, we do have our website. So Z Y K F A dot org, which is the, uh, Z is in Zulu, Y is in Yankee, K is in Kilo, F is in Foxtrot, A is in Alpha. What's that stand for? Just out of curiosity, Zongyi. Yeah, Zongyi Kung Fu Association. So, yeah. so yeah, so that's uh, just you know. So we have the website. We also have a Facebook page as well that uh, that that goes on and lots of them on there too. So. You have a dog too. I love dogs. Yeah, he he has to get his ass into every single podcast I do. He's... I'm surprised my dogs haven't been barking. I don't even know what's fun. So <laughs> you got some too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I've been doing seminars, uh, going to Brazil quite a bit. Uh, probably right. be going to Brazil again. I I do. Uh, I just did a history of Chinese martial arts seminar. There's like a four hour long uh, PowerPoint thing, which is pretty interesting. So. That's kind of some some of the th- stuff that I'm exploring right now and uh, tournaments and and we're again we're trying to organize things from uh, from our side of the school too. Uh, we just had uh, our fifth uh, North Regional Gosu tournament in Madison last year. Uh, wow. and nice. Yeah, we might turn it into like an every other year event at this point, uh, cool. just because they're, they're pretty hard to organize, of course, and. and Quite a and bit a of ton money. of work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a ton of work, yeah. How's the and, dime droppage, though? What was that? How's the profit? Uh, you, uh, I mean, is it worthwhile, or is uh, it more out of the heart, or you so know, both? I, on my fifth year, I, I was able to, to finally claim $50 out of it. So. Jesus. <laughs> You're buying dinner, buddy. There you go. <laughs> my dinner All right, my Mr. Brazilians. We're calling but, you uh, Mr. Money from here on out. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah, again, tournament's not a big money maker, you know. Yeah. But you know, it's again, it's not done for that reason. So, so yeah, right. we're, we're trying to do that. And uh, there's a little bit of talk right now. Uh, one of the things we're we're planning on doing is a uh, uh, internal event for the school because we're we're again trying to get into that social aspect for the school and do something that might be like a, what we would call an ancestor remembrance day type thing yeah nice uh, yeah so we're going to do we're talking about maybe doing an outdoor festival that's for the school and kind of let people see what lion dancing informs and stuff like that right uh but that's something that we just started talking about a couple of weeks ago so you think about doing that for guyu chong's birthday or lincoln's birthday i mean you gotta tell us that you know well actually we're thinking about doing this as a as a all ancestors in terms of a uh, uh, okay. So, so we're talking my teacher and all of his teachers and his teachers' teachers. Education of the general thought process, basically. Exactly. And I, I mean, talking about Singapore again, this is something that they do quite a bit in Singapore. They have yeah, again, that's right, festival and stuff like that. And so it'd be kind of to put things into focus a little bit because uh, the students, a lot of times, they think they, you know, as a student, you kind of get stuck into this idea that 
oh, I'm studying this thing, and you don't really think about, like we are talking earlier, the dead people that are up on the wall, you know. And <laughs> right. Yeah, true. It's a good time to kind of put that thing into focus and say, hey, you know, this thing came from, like, Shanxi province to, through Nanjing and then went to Taiwan and then to Brazil and now to the U.S. And, you know, all of these people have made a lot of sacrifices to get it here. There's people who survived a war to get this thing here and yeah. all sorts of other politics. They watched their own family die in front of their eyes a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, and you're able That's to study, you know, and it's a big deal. So, so we're, we're planning, yeah. kind of doing that. And, and, you know, if that ends up working out, you know, I, I hope that that can expand too, because I think it's an important thing to, to do. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what we're, we're doing. And again, Baltimore tournament, we're always there every year. So the USKSF, you know, uh, and TWKSF, the world, uh, Wilson Federation as well. Uh, so that's, that's in the plans as well. And, and, uh, uh, and perhaps a trip to Brazil because, uh, my students always like, like the idea of going over to visit and stuff like that. And there's a big tournament by a good, good friend of mine, uh, Shifu Gabriel uh, from Brazil. He's actually a seven-star mantis. Fantastic, man. He oh. he just opened his 20th school in Brazil. We have a lot of mantis connections. I don't really get all the reasons why, but we do. I don't, well, I don't... Man, yeah, mantis is actually uh, very popular in Brazil. Uh, there's there's actually quite a bit of a long story. I mean, we could probably talk about this some other time. But yeah. So it's a... Uh, it's really There's a lot of stuff that goes on within Northern Shaolin. I don't really get. I know yep. uh, when it comes to the physicality and the theory strategy, I got you. But yep. on on the rest of the stuff, wow! I'm yep. just a kindergartner. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. ready to learn. <laughs> yeah, teach yep. on, brother. So yeah, but yeah, so we'll probably be going down there. He has a huge tournament, it's like the one, the largest one in Latin America. Very very wow. exciting tournament. And, you know, that's one of the things. If you have a guys ever want to go down to Brazil, you know, we should talk about it. I can show you guys around. It'd be a great time. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want to go to Brazil. I mean, it's warm, <laughs> and there are beautiful waxed women down there. And I all would never stuff. leave my wife up here <laughs> in that situation. Or maybe it's oh, in the yeah. Well, already, shit, man. you shouldn't have any trouble at all talking people into leaving Wisconsin during the winter to go down there. <laughs> Trust me, they're all like, yes, 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 let's go. Please, we'll walk if we have to. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So. <laughs> all right, well, shit, that all sounds great. It's been really fun to talk to you, so hopefully we can do this again soon. And uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you guys having me. And, you know, Keep on, keep on high-eyeing. All right. Well, you keep it up <laughs> out it there, shot. too, and say hi to any of my, you know, uh, Wisconsin martial arts peeps you run across there. Absolutely. Definitely tell Robert uh, I, I give him a, you know, a gal-style salute from down here in Georgia. Okay, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Take it Perfect. easy. You guys have a great one. And, again, we'll stay in touch through Facebook or whatever. Definitely. Fantastic. I got some shit to talk to you about. Uh, Yeah, this conversation is going to continue. Oh, yeah. We just can't put it all on air. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nelson, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Chicharrones, chicharrones. Hello, 
folks, we're back. Uh, that was a lot of fun talking to Sifu Nelson Ferreira, Northern Shaolin down there, and as uh, you can probably tell, Craig just had him a good old time with that too. And as a matter of fact, uh, I'm back a day or two later here to uh, <laughs> wrap this up, put the icing on the cake with a little, uh, with a little extra Shaolin media mop up. But uh, part of the reason Craig is not with me is because he could not stop talking. So. Uh, uh, I let him and, and Sifu Nelson run on for another 45 minutes or so on the Skype after we finished the interview, and then it just got kind of late. So uh, I'm here to mop up media and all that other stuff as well. Um, so yeah, uh, also I want to mention there was some Skype fadage uh, in and out during that interview. We could always hear what he was saying, and I'm hoping I can fix that in post so it's not too distracting, but... You know, we'll see what we've got in the end. Um, moving along now, why don't you give this a listen? Hong Man Ting, what are you doing? Practicing Kung Fu. <laughs> you think that's how you do it? I do. Well, if you ask me, you don't know anything about Kung Fu, but I yeah. do. I know. Why don't you do what I do, and then you can learn something from me? My father said I can't put my leg down till noon. Oh, yeah? Well, I bet I can make you put it down. Try it. Hey, just who do you think you are anyway? I think it's high time somebody taught you a lesson. Let go! Let go of me, you! Okay, it's afternoon now. Again. I'll get you. Okay, folks, that's the new legend of Shaolin, also known as uh, Jet Li's Legend of the Red Dragon. Uh, that was just a little clip from uh, Junior Badass. Uh, oh, hell, I forgot his name. It'll come back to me. Uh, Junior badass, uh, Shemiao, that's it, I believe, um, doing his little thing. Uh, this movie, folks, let me tell you about this movie. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a hot mess, and it's totally typical of that era. And when I say that era, I mean the, you know, the early, mid-90s, uh, wuxia flicks, uh, tons of wire work. Um, it was a period of a lot of good stuff coming out of Hong Kong, uh, and even more pure crap. Uh, now this is, uh, Wong Jing was the director of this movie and he did a lot of stuff that people would recognize. Um, God of Gamblers being one of my favorites, but he also just churned out unbelievable amounts of crap. Now this one sits somewhere in the middle for me. I got to admit, I have a soft spot for this movie. It was one of the first Hong Kong movies I showed my wife back when we first started dating or weren't even dating yet. And to this day, she still remembers it as the chicken ass movie. And uh, I recommend you watch it with the subtitles just because uh, the dubbing's terrible and uh, the way the subtitles are written are pure, you know, a number one Chinglish uh, and all the talk of chicken asses in there will have you rolling on the floor laughing. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as the action in this one goes, it's not one of Jet Li's finest moments. I believe he had hurt his back the year before doing Once Upon a Time in China, a far superior movie. 
And, uh, you know, there's a lot of spear work in here. Some of the choreography is pretty good. I think it's Corey, Corey Yun doing the choreography. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not terrible in that sense, but it's not great either. And almost all of Jet Li's fighting is done with wires and spears. Magical spears, though. Don't get me wrong. This is not your average everyday spear. This thing gets long. It gets short. It twirls. You can pull the head off and stab somebody. Uh, you know, it's got pretty much every luxury option you would want on a spear. So, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, there's lots of luxury options in this. The bad guy, the poison juice man, he gets to drive around in some sort of... Uh, some sort of uh, armor-plated moon buggy. Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it sure is kind of cool to see the thing drop in and start sawing people in half. Um, this movie's not gory, and the violence is not realistic at all, but, as a but, it still has, you know, your typical Chinese uh, trappings of uh, ripping people in half and stuff. It's just not done in a way that would be disturbing to anyone. I think the most disturbing thing to most people is the chicken ass uh, and uh, some of the misogyny on display. The two female characters in this um, got, uh, oh, Ching Mai Yao, and I forget the older woman's name, something, yep. Uh, they're both good actresses, but they're pretty much wasted in this. There's a few funny moments. A lot of it's unintentionally funny. Uh but they're pretty much despicable characters the whole way through, you know, trying to set Jet Li, who is devoid of charm here. He's got to stick up his butt the entire time, trying to set him up as a uh, as a rapist. And, uh, you know, they're thieves. They're, you know, of course, Jet Li still falls in love with her in the end. Um, ooh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Uh, but, yeah, the portrayal of women in this is not very good. Now, you know, everybody's kind of a jerk in this movie, so maybe they were trying to make some sort of statement that not being a native speaker I can't quite get. You know, maybe there was something subversive going on there, but I kind of doubt it because the whole movie, like, if you ever want to get somebody's feet wet in this, this might not be a bad place to start. You can watch it on YouTube or on Netflix streaming, and uh, it – it will show them, it will prepare them for other better movies that have some of the same problems from a Western point of view, such as the, the tonal shifts. This goes from, you know, attempts at just, you know, deep melodrama, uh, overblown melodrama to ridiculous fart jokes, uh, back to, you know, uh, ridiculous melodrama and then back to ridiculous fart jokes again, all, all kind of in the same scene. Um, it's not devoid of charm. Uh, again, you know, the kid in here plays a nice little badass. I wonder what happened to him. It, it, he hasn't that I know of been in a whole lot since he was a kid back in the nineties. Um, and yeah, that's really about all I can say about this. You know, there's tons of fun stuff in here, um, set pieces and stuff, but it, it doesn't hold together. It's a big mishmash of a little bit of everything and nothing really done to, to the level of excellence that, that sometimes came out of these Chinese movies. And of course, plot wise, it's basically a rip off of uh, lone wolf and cub. So if you've seen that movie, uh, you won't even need the subtitles to follow what's happening. You know, guy's family is killed by, uh, the new rulers and he gives his son the option between the sword and the rocking horse. And the kid picks the sword and away they go. And uh, there's even a nod in the initial fight scene to the elaborate baby cart trappings uh, <clears throat> that were found in the Lone Wolf and Cub series. Um, those are better movies, too, though, really, if you're looking to follow that plot. So New Legend of Shaolin, good for a laugh, a little bit of excitement. And also, again, I got to say, I got a soft spot for it because 
It's just chock full of all that nonsense that makes Hong Kong films both confusing and sometimes charming. But uh, don't go into this one expecting too much, okay? All right. I think you follow me on this one, people. Anyway, I'll try to review a good movie next time. <laughs> Lots of stuff coming around soon. So that's it. That's the icing on your on your uh, Shaolin episode cake. Um, it's a little bit bitter, but uh, it sure is pretty. And uh, I guess the only thing left to tell you is uh, you can find us at HiyaPodcast.com. Uh, go join our Facebook page. Remember you need to join the Facebook page. If you're going to participate in our contest for first t-shirt that we're going to make here soon. So go to the Facebook page, like us and vote. There's a thread open. You might have to go down a little bit to find it now, but there's an open thread and it'll be open for another week. So go get your votes in. Everyone's eligible to win. And aside from that, I'm just going to leave you with a hearty, hearty ho, see ya. Do a song or something, get inspired. Hello, and welcome to Hi Ya, the only podcast that thinks if it ain't broke, you didn't kill and dry it, you dumb redneck. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did you even get that one? <laughs> if it ain't broke, you ain't kill him right. That sounds more like if you ain't broke, you ain't marry him right. It ain't kill and dry. I've seen so many rednecks on job sites trying to bust a board. Oh, yeah. On but they're using a pressure treated two by four. Oh. It you, never breaks. You were folks. talking about like with construction. It never breaks. I thought you meant like on career builder, a job uh, site. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Oh, uh, hi ya, bitches. Episode 28 recorded. Uh, oh holy shit, I forgot right to even fuck check now. Right uh, to fuck. See, we've already ruined our. Do you want to start over again and try to not? Uh, we can. <laughs>